Welcome to episode 28 of The Endless Stream. I am Aiden, and this week I am joined by Cree and Brian. We are three artists, illustrators, animators, filmmakers, just all-round shit-talkers. And each week we take some of the endless stream of content brought to you through Amazon, YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Spotify, wherever you get your content. We take a chunk of it, we watch it, and we talk about it. This week we're talking about What If, we're talking about Only Murders in the Building, we're talking about Star Wars Visions. If you haven't seen some of those things, maybe go off and have a look before coming back and joining the conversation. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting the podcast by like and subscribe on YouTube, rate and review on iTunes, give us a follow on Spotify. Anything you can do to support The Endless Stream, we'd greatly appreciate. For a little additional content, head over to at the Endless Cast on Instagram and you will see illustrations and clips that we put up to go with each episode. And if you want to chime in or disagree with anything that we've said, you can comment on our posts over there or you can send us an email at theendlesscast at gmail.com. Next week marks the start of October. And for our next episode, we're going to start watching horror seasons to coincide with the whole Halloween thing. Our first up is going to be Hereditary, so if you've not seen Hereditary, give it a watch and come back and join us for episode 29. If you have any suggestions for what we should watch the subsequent weeks, send them over to us on Instagram, send them over to us on Gmail, let us know what you think we should be talking about. All of that being said, let's jump into the episode. Let's go! Chris Pratt's already got the job, man. It's too late. So, we have our usual agendas of trailers, movies, television comics music whatever comes up this week but um because i so uh what in a labored and artificial way shoehorned in let's go to the start of this let's uh, talk about chris pratt as mario um cree are you a mario fan okay so i i absolutely love like mario kart i used to play that and I'm, I'm not much of a gamer like at all but i had an old ds i think it might have been like the first like edition of a DS was this chunky blue thing and I loved it to bits as a kid and I all I used to play on it was Lego Star Wars the complete saga a bit of Lego Indiana Jones and Mario Kart and I just loved Mario Kart so and I I played maybe Smash Brothers a tiny bit but I'm not I mean obviously I'm familiar with all the characters (laughs) not necessarily the games but I'm sure I'd get something out of the movie Chris Pratt is an interesting choice I think um if he's doing like a fake italian sort of mario yeah i'm just i'm just waiting for the the think pieces about you know the inherent racism and you know a guy doing a broad caricature of an italian exactly. person yeah so uh, i don't i don't know he, he'll probably just turn into him sounding like emmett again or something yeah you know yeah although i think i just read that he's been practicing the accent as well so Oh, okay. But then you again, know, like, okay. I, 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 Italians are white, so can he not play yeah, an Italian American. person? You know? Um, I don't know. I mean, did, I mean what, Bob Hoskins. What's the, what's the Ridley Scott films of Gucci? Everybody's doing Italian mm-hmm. accents in that, so I guess he can, yeah. maybe. Um, I mean, if Leonardo DiCaprio can do an Irish one, I suppose. Exactly, yeah. It, it, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's also the broadest Italian accent as well, is the thing. Like, it's it's a caricature, so... As much as he was fun on Parks and Rec, he has entered this sort of, like, role of, like, like default human. Like, there's he's just 
a white shape. Every man. You know, there's, there's, yeah. Basically like Emmett in the Lego movies. Yeah, he's just, he's like, he's like placeholder for a more interesting actor, which is harsh. No. Um, but like, I, I worked, I worked with somebody in 2014. It was a Chris Pratt. And it was like peak Pratt. And she just said one day, I'm just waiting for them to stick that fucker in a movie with Jennifer Lawrence, stick it in space and call it white people. Oh, and wow. She totally predicted passengers. <laughs> but the cast is like, okay, Chris Pratt's Mario. Okay, he's an American Italian plumber. Fine. Charlie Day is Luigi. Did I, is he that frenetic? I've assumed. I suppose Charlie can pull that back. I've assumed it's animated as well, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's all voice work. Yeah. Um, Anya Taylor Joy is Princess. Is Mario Peach. even human though? That's the what? thing. Sorry. Is Mario even human? Like. Yeah. Yes. But is God, he? That is a question. Have you played the latest? The latest Mario game, Odyssey. Is it Odyssey? No. There's a level set in. I, mean, I think it's like New Donk City or something, and it's like a kind of a New York, but all the other people in the city are like human-sized and human-proportioned, and then Mario's not. Mario's okay. like um. Uh, okay, I, so I, he's an alien. I don't know. Is he a cartoon character or is he like a manifestation? Or I don't know. I think there's a fair question. Is Mario even human? Basically. Because he might not be. I mean, this one, is... one could ponder that. That's that's a big question. This is a philosophical quandary you've placed us mm-hmm. in now. The what humanity of Mario the I, I can see every other cast member doing their roles, though. But Chris Pratt is the one that, like, yeah. is, you know, breaking my suspension of disbelief. <laughs> I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he is a very talented voice actor. He is. Um, I, I think the thing is, everybody's played a Mario game. And yeah. the person you play as, for the most part, is Mario. And you know how Mario sounds, and you know Mario's energy, and we know Chris Pratt. And it's like, okay, maybe he can do it. I mean, maybe this is his Heath Ledger Joker moment, you know, where he delivers a performance. I'm, I'm going to call it right now and say it's not. <laughs> You don't think this is his joke? I, I don't. No. I don't think so. Do you want to know how I got to these scarves? <laughs> <laughs> My apologies go out to the Italian-American community. <laughs> but, time. like, there, there was a little bit of me that's like, look, I don't know the guy's stand-up in depth, but, like, Sebastian Maniscalco is, like, an Italian-American New York chap, and he's, like, on the, he's on the cast. And it's like, I mean, there's a Mario if you want, you know, that Italian-American thing. I don't think he can. I mean, the, the, is he Italian American? Like goofy energy. We yeah. How do we know that? Oh, oh, Mario. Yeah. <laughs> I guess again, I've just, it, it, everything Italian I've learned American. about Mario's human life, I learned from the Bob Hoskins John Leguizamo joint from the nineties. Yeah, that's um, not the best source for Mario lore, probably. I, you I know that guess. story about at a certain point on the press tour. Was it, I don't know if it was the press tour or in the middle of production someone said to Bob Hoskins how do you feel about making a movie out of a video game and he went this was a video game do you think he thought he was doing another Roger Rabbit he's like this is going to be he's like that last one turned out so good <laughs> this is going to be great there's a, there's a little bit like with actors where you well like actors of 
I don't even know if he was of that stature, you know, where, like, they go into these sort of special effects-driven things. I guess everybody was. You go in blindly going, this could be another Star Wars, and it's not. Like, where Jeremy Irons did Dungeons and Dragons. Anyone ever see that? Uh, it had the kid from Lois and Clark who played Jimmy in it. When was this? 1997. Then... No. Oh wait, wait. Yeah, I think I think I maybe saw it in passing on the TV or something once or twice. I would say though, the only exception to what I'm about to say is probably the Lego Movie. But the amount of times I read a piece of casting, an actor like taking a role in this thing, and I just go, "Oh no, you you don't want to do that. That's that's going to be bad. I can tell you right now, it's going to be bad. And I know you think it's not going to be bad, and you you." You're hoping it'll be something else. Mm. And the only time I've been wrong is the Lego movie, really. Who were you wrong about there? Hmm? Who were you wrong about? Who were you thinking wouldn't fit and then... Oh, just the Lego movie in general. I just thought it was going to be oh. a disaster. I was like, I was like, what? No, don't, don't do that. That's an awful idea. And I was so, so wrong. But I, I, I fully expected that to just be like a car crash. And it was just really smart and original and funny and surprising. But every other time, you know, you read something, it's like, oh, no, don't do that. That's that, that won't be yeah, good. Yeah, it's like, I think don't they're making a reboot of The Lost Boys as oh, well. For fuck's sake. I know. And yeah, um, I'd, I'm I always have that reaction with someone when someone says we're making a, a new version of a movie or whatever. I have no problem. I always have to remember that, like. I I always have to just bring myself to that because I'm like, there's a whole new audience that doesn't know this thing exists. It's like telling people to dig through the back catalogue of a fucking library to find that one fucking book that was good. You know, like, it makes sense to just bring concepts back to life and reinterpretation, revival, remaking, like, it keeps concepts alive in people's heads. The stuff that, like, dies off is the stuff that doesn't get addressed. That's why I think, like, that the Muppets... They need to keep making movies or they need to make like a Muppet. They need to make another Muppet TV series because I loved the Muppets tonight. You know, I loved once a week tuning into this little variety show with the Muppets. And that's where they came from. Um, Because it just plants the seed at the very like kids watching that on a week to week basis. It plants a seed. But somewhere along the lines, I think the Muppets got a little too, a little too um, like tongue in cheek for the parents watching. You know, and it, it lost a little sight of for the kids. I, I like that that park. What was the name of the Muppets show they did with where it was like a Parks and Rec type of thing where they were it's like a streaming service thing. They put it on Disney Plus. I, I don't I, think I know. I, I did not watch that. See, this is the thing. They they made a <clears throat> um. Hold on, I'm opening Disney Plus on the iPad. I'll just do elevator music while I do 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 do. Your call is important to us. Please stay on hold while Aiden finds what he's looking for. Muppets now. So they they did this TV series that was like, we have to upload to the stream. Where's the video file? And it was all like, there was like interspersed with like coming back to computers and like emailing the next sketch to the next people who did the net. Like, I, I see what they were trying to do, but it was like, it was, uh. 
you got to keep things alive in people's consciousness so that the thing is though if i heard that a bunch of people were going to appear in the next muppets thing i wouldn't be like terrible move don't do it I'd be like good good for everybody involved mm. But, See, personally, I think the Muppets has a history of, you know, they make movies, so them continuing to make movies is totally cool for me personally, whereas remaking things, I'm like, hmm, it depends. I mean, you they, can maybe continue the story. Like, it dep- if, if you're doing it well, then salute, I salute you. Um, I don't know, maybe change it up a little bit so that the original, yeah. so people can go back to the original. I don't know. Well, the Muppets make movies, but it was after they, you know, laid the groundwork with the Muppets show. You know, then they made the the big Muppet caper and Muppets Take Manhattan and Muppet Christmas Carol. Like it was the late seventies, eighties stuff that fed into the movie viability. Is Mario a Muppet? Yeah, that would explain. Um, a lot. Again, this is a, an argument I've had many times. Like, what constitutes wow. a Muppet? Apparently, you know, um, you know, you can be a Henson Works creation without being a Muppet so there's some dispute over whether or not the Sesame Street characters are Muppets I think they're Muppets they're definitely Muppets I think they're Muppets yeah. but I don't think Galfling yeah are Muppets. I don't like I exactly like I I was kind of aware of Labyrinth and Dark Crystal and I never once thought these are Muppets but growing up I was like mm. Sesame Street is it's the Muppets you can't tell yeah. me it's not I mean, they're it's Muppets the same kind of character design yeah yeah they are 100% Muppets. Because yep. then it's like things like Yoda would, that, like, would he kind of be with the whole Frank Oz thing? It's, I don't know. Not a Muppet. Exactly. M- Muppet adjacent. <laughs> Muppet adjacent. But he can he can self-identify as a Muppet if he wants and I'm not going to tell him that, he, that he's not. So... Which brings us to the Muppets Haunted Mansion coming middle of October. It's, oh, that uh, was a clever segue. I, I laid the groundwork for it a while ago. That's why he gets the um, big books. Yep. That's why I get the big heavy books that I get to sit on so that I can be seen by this camera because I'm short. Um, not short. That doesn't work. Yeah, doesn't, I know. Even as I said it, it was like if I was Kev, maybe I could get away with this, but it just doesn't work. Um, Will Arnett, Kev, Taraji just P. Henson, short. Just Yvette Nicole Brown. Kev. I want Kev to Kev, respond Kev. when he hears this. <clears throat> he just called you short, Kev. Did he not know? I mean, we are short, but don't have to point it out. It's rude. Sorry. I was very happy to see a new Muppets thing coming, but they, is this the third attempt at a, haunt, a haunted mansion property? Because um, it is the Disney, like it's like Gonzo has to has been challenged to stay in the the haunted mansion for a night, and if he survives, he gets you know like I don't know, inherits the fortune. If he doesn't, he um, becomes a ghost and haunts the mansion with all the other ghosts. Um, I think it's the third haunted. Like they did the haunted mansion with Eddie Murphy, right? I have to say, <clears throat> as a kid, I absolutely loved that. I just loved it. I think I loved Eddie Murphy. Haunted so. mansions are cool. Yeah, exactly. Haven't seen that in ages. Thank you for reminding me. I will go and <laughs> that. It's in the Halloween list now. Yep. You should watch Haunting a um, Hill House if you haven't yet. Right is that down. the one with uh, it's in a haunted mansion no it's the TV show that I was talking about earlier oh based on the one with Luke Wilson based on the one from many many years ago it's based on a book 
I don't know if Luke Wilson was in an adaptation. I'm not sure. Maybe. With Liam Neeson. Um, I think that might have just been called The Haunting at that point. I can't remember. It's with like the, the painting of the woman on the wall who looks like the woman who's staying in the house or something. Yeah, but I, I can't remember if that's the Hill House story or if that's just the Haunted Mansion story. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um... So we up for more Muppets? Sure. I'm always up for more Muppets. Have Take you watched off. any of the more recent Muppet content? Me? Like I sound like any a of us, I suppose. The, the most recent one, probably like Muppets Most Wanted or something. <laughs> I don't know. But the one yeah. that I keep coming back to is Christmas Carol. I want to watch that every Christmas. It's just magic. 85 minutes of perfect Christmas. Pure bliss. What do you think of the idea that... Um, they took a song out of it. What? So when when Michael Caine goes back in time the first time and he sees himself as a child in the schoolhouse. Yeah. And then he ages up a little bit. There is a scene with his fiance where they sing a song about their relationship falling apart. And I had that on VHS and like as a like 8-year-old I was like this is the boring bit with the feelings and I just was waiting for it to to roll on. But when they did like a re-release and a DVD re-release, they went, kids don't like this bit, and they cut the song out altogether. Oh, I didn't know there was a song. Yep, it's called The Love Is Gone. I think I think that's what it's called. Um, I Like, as much as it sort of bored me when I was eight, like, just because I wanted the Muppets to be fun, you know, um, I am kind of annoyed that they took out this kind of, like, place of emotional weight. But does it really serve the film at all? Just because it's emotional and everything, does it actually serve the rest of the story or does it bring the film to a like a crashing halt? Yeah. Like the, what I want to say is like leave it intact and you know, don't remove it just because kids don't like it or whatever. But at the same time, maybe it's better without it, you know? Um I, I, I kinda would agree. But my, my my knee-jerk reaction is leave it intact. But, but also, maybe it's better. You know, maybe we should just, yeah. I, I think it should be preserved somewhere. You know, some version of it, or you know, have an option for people. I don't want to <laughs> skip recap, skip skip intro, skip emotion, <laughs> <laughs> skip emotion. There should totally be a button for that. You're onto something. You could absolutely sell that idea. That's gone. Have I got the electrically induced lobotomy for you? The second, the second we mentioned, Dave. <laughs> now that I've said it, it's... Well, Aiden, you just edited it out, and then and then Brian, you just like put together a plan, go pitch it to Netflix. Doesn't even matter. It's it's just the fact that I've said it now. It's like a spell. It's floating yep. in the no. zeitgeist and Microsoft owns Skype these conversations all get transcripted good ideas are automatically picked up by um, Grimes' computer brain fed into Elon Musk <laughs> um, there you go that's a little technology 101 for everybody that's how it all works Yep. Muppets <laughs> Muppets. Muppets yay Tragedy of Macbeth is Joel Cohen Directing, for a split second, um, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the Muppets were doing a tragedy of Macbeth. I'd, I'd watch Muppet Macbeth. I would watch the fuck out of that. <laughs> they should do that next. Okay, let let's um, let's cast. That's two great uh, ideas. Muppet Macbeth. <laughs> Who is Macbeth? 
Chris Pratt. We go. We need one actor. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt is Macbeth. Okay. Who? Okay. The rest of the cast are Muppets. Then who's Lady Macbeth? Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Tom Hiddleston's got to be in it somewhere, though. That's the thing. Miss Piggy berating Chris Pratt into murdering the king, <laughs> just emotionally blackmailing. That's fabulous. That would be incredible. The witches. The witches. Three witches, uh, Muppet characters. Those heckler lads and Gonzo. <laughs> that works. It does, it does. Gonzo's just confused. Or it could be um, Beaker and... Yeah, <gasps> that's brilliant. Just around a cauldron. And... The two heckler lads. Well, no, that, that's, Be- that's Beaker, Honeydew and uh, Swedish Chef. Swedish Chef, chef yeah. Cauldron. yeah. Oh, guys, we're <laughs> this is brilliant. Smirking birdie. Has anybody drawn Muppet Macbeth? Probably, but that's no reason not to. to. Yeah, just do it anyway. I mean, that's fucking phenomenal. I was drawing like a, I was drawing a cover base on this week's What If, but I might draw up at Macbeth. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to lay what you were doing. Do, do what you were doing, and if you have time, then also do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's Macbeth. Um, I would want Bobo the Bear to be uh, King Duncan. Um. So we had a we had a Macbeth in 2015 with uh, Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard and a oh, lot of the yeah. selling point of that was like the cinematography and Justin Kurzel's directing and like I forgot that was tw- I didn't forget that was 2015 it's just like oh we're doing another taking another swing at Macbeth are we the I guess the thing is Denzel Washington's amazing Francis McDormand's amazing oh my god Brendan Gleeson um and wow. like this is and it's Joel Cohen and it looks great and in the trailer and um, I need to look this up I missed it it's it's a play that like I did at school so I know inside out and I like saw it at school and saw it in the theatre and then saw it in movie form and it's like the Shakespeare play that I know inside out and always kind of liked um, like Merchant of Venice and Hamlet are there as well because they're just kind of school syllabusy. Mm. But I always, I always really liked Macbeth. Um, so Macbeth than everything. Macbeth, pick a preference and watch it more regularly than some of the others. Um, I was, I was like in an acting class in college, and we went as like an end of year thing to go and see The Merchant of Venice in the cinema, and it was the Al Pacino thing. And say what you will about the production of it, when I came out of it, somebody at the thing went, "Oh yeah, sorry for choosing that. We shouldn't have gone to that." not based on whether the movie was any good or not it was just he was bored by Shakespeare and I was like oh that's a disappointing mindset to be coming out of the theatre with <laughs> favourite Shakespeare plays Um, I think I quite like Much Ado About Nothing Uh, just I, I like the adaptation with Emma Thompson I think she was fab in that and it was a good cast I also yeah. like Midsummer Night's Dream I think that's pretty funny and I like to perform you know if if I got to perform it or something you know, if I got to play bottom, I think that would be pretty funny. Bottom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's class. He's um, funny. Brian, any thoughts on Shakespeare? I don't know if I really authentically enjoy it or was it just, you know, drilled into me in school? I'm not actually sure. I've never taken the time to examine, but Othello's great. You know, yeah, really like Othello, but... Yeah. Do I like Othello? I don't know. I just, yeah, I read the shit out of it and I learned. Is this just the 15th century play I know? 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bob Hoskins oh, did a great Iago, though. I haven't seen that. Oh, he's superb. I'm sorry, back, all I back think to Hoskins. Of, when I think of Iago is Aladdin, the bird from yeah. Aladdin. That shows how uncultured yeah. in the ways of Shakespeare <laughs> I am. No, like, all of us have, like, just, like, a secondary school passing understanding or, or exposure to these plays. Um, I've seen a few clips of, like, Orson Welles doing stuff. Like, Orson Welles does... There's a clip from, like, the Dean Martin show from the fucking 50s or something, and it just sent me down, like, a Falstaff rabbit hole because, like, I just... He's a big drunken arsehole. Like I, I really enjoy that character. He gets he gets a comeuppance, and you know that's the how ill grey hairs befit the fool. You know, so just seeing the tragedy in age. But he's a fun character, and I always like look looking up clips of him and different people playing him. And there's there's a bunch of different, like Jason Alexander did it, and um, Orson Welles, and the guy who, the guy who played Provero in V for Vendetta. And he's in the the hippopotamus with um, Stephen Fry's movie. He's the lead in that. Roger Allam. I was about so to say, to but I wasn't sure if you were talking about him or not because you didn't say Speed Racer. <laughs> Fucking Speed Racer. Sorry, I Why forgot. Does his, his, keep his, up if you had said Speed role. Racer, also, I would have just said Roger Allam. The first piece that we did in um, Bow Street, in the acting thing, was like I did a chunk of full stuff in the basement to Annabelle because you know we just went off in partners and performed these things to each other um, so like Annabelle got a one man show of full stuff fab lucky Annabelle moving on sure <laughs> I just I just want to point out that the opposite of William Shakespeare is would I was shook shielded so would I was instead of will I am what was what was the last name? <laughs> Shakespeare. So actually, wait, no, still, and then shield. That's what it should be. Would I was still shield. So will I am? Would I was still shield? Or if you want to go right into it, it, should be like would you was. Okay. I I was telling you a minute ago about a trailer for a Netflix show. So they're starting to put out the the um, Halloween stuff. Night Teeth was a trailer I watched. There has got to be a better name for that movie. It is collateral with vampires, so it looks like a guy's an Uber driver and two women get in the back seat and say, drive us to a half dozen places and have us home by dawn. And they're vampires. Um, I mean, I can see walking in and pitching that. That's a great idea. Maybe like Midnight Molars might be better. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's a. I mean, Midnight Run is a better... It's like it's an existing movie, but Nightlink. Hey. <laughs> uh, copyright. Uh, in, how do I enforce that? Um, actually, <laughs> I don't really want to get into that. I don't. I don't want to get into that because uh, I don't want Dublin Bus coming after me. It's spelt differently, Dublin Bus. It's spelt differently. Nice kink. Vampires are kinky. Or you could just say. Night link K N I G H T. Midnight snacks. <laughs> yeah. Buffet. Because they're going around eating people in the middle of the night, and also they're pretty pretty. Um, Uber eats. Uber <laughs> eats. <laughs> I mean, I mean that way you would have got Uber paying half your bloody budget, you know? 
Okay, I don't think we're going to beat that. Let's move on. <laughs> um, I think it'll be a fun movie. Netflix have been put. Netflix have put out sort of seasonal movie stuff historically, and it's like it's usually yeah. just fine. And I think that's what this is going to fall into category-wise as well. It's fine. I'll, I'll watch it and move on. They have also been doing the Mike Flanagan stuff, which is good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, every time I say something about that, like about that, like that about a production, I'm like, wish Netflix would give me money and let me make something fine because I would try my absolute hardest to make something as amazing as I possibly could and it would come out fine. Yeah. <laughs> We just need to get in the so, room. So, you know, good work, everybody. Um, yeah, I mean, have you got a... Give me give me your, your elevator pitch for a Netflix movie. Um, about a dog called Yorkie and uh, it is selected by um, an intergalactic council to pilot um, a giant robot. So that's already. So what, what, what's a, what's a big what's a big Netflix show in the last few weeks, months, or otherwise? Um. Sex education. Hmm. Sex education. Okay, so Gillian Anderson and. Uh, Asa Butterfield. Well, Asa Butterfield's in Sex Education, so we're already going to we're going to take some somewhere else. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. You see what we're doing? Yes. Um, I am on board. Gillian uh, Anderson and Anya Taylor Joy are uh, Soviet spies that fight werewolves at Christmas. Oh, that's seasonal fab. movie works for both seasons. That's brilliant. They should do that. I'd watch it. Heck, I'd probably watch it more than once. That'd be a home run for Netflix. Absolutely. Wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Put Henry Cavill in there just for a bit of eye candy. <laughs> That's all he's good for. Oh, he's he's the head werewolf. What are we? Werewolves, not swearwolves. Will we talk about what if? Yes. What if we talked about what if? Is first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to forward to the chat Kev's thoughts on what if. And we'll have a listen to those, and I'll stick them into the um, the uh, episode, into the chat. We'll have a listen to these, and then we can start our conversation off the back of that. Let me guess. Oh, I really loved it. It was amazing. I really loved it, because I love everything, because my name's Kevin. I love everything. And then he'll either burp or shift uncomfortably in his chair and... Tell us an unrelated story. All right, let's play Kev Bingo. The latest episode of What If. Um, not my favorite episode, <laughs> but a lot of fun and really, really enjoyable. I started watching it during the week and I had to go because I was going to work or something. And uh, when I got home, I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll just restart it. And uh, when I had watched it during the week, I watched it the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes. I wasn't keen on it. But then when I got home and I had time and I restarted it, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Very, very, very funny. Very good. Um, silly, but good. It made me chuckle in my belly. But uh, also, the end of the Thanos Ultron vision thing is awesome. So that's obviously going to happen. Whatever that is. 
I'm sure Brian has divulged plenty about it, or... Yes. If I give it a rating out of <clears throat> thumbs up, I'd give it a 3.5 out of 5 thumbs up. So 3.5 thumbs up out of 5. And even then, I feel like that's even being a little bit harsh because it's a fun episode. Maybe four thumbs up. No. 3.5. Goodbye. Cree, what did you think of this week's episode of What If? I thought it was terrific. I'm sorry. Okay, so what I really thought was that it was, it was very, very fun. It was totally the episode where they decided, you know, the way like um, some series, they do like a musical episode. It's like this. They were like, you know, what? let's do a like mad fun comedy episode. And this is the one where we just let rip and just write as many jokes as we can and then go back to like the semi serious stuff. Like we had already had the zombie episode. That was funny. But this just kind of was another level. And it was just goofy, pure goofy. And I enjoyed the heck out of it. I thought it was very enjoyable and hilarious so that's that's my take on it i think brian it was okay some of it worked some of it didn't work there was parts i was thinking to myself this is a kid's cartoon after all you know but then again i was immediately followed up by but so is batman the animated series so is avatar you know so stuff can still be kid stuff and like i laugh a lot genuinely at jokes in avatar but a lot of the kind of humor in this i was just kind of like "Mm." i mean it wasn't bad it just was yeah and and it's there's i feel like their approach to humor is more like easy jokes and a lot of them as opposed to like kind of authentically kind of like creating a funny moment it's just like there's a lot of callbacks and references and stuff as opposed to being good jokes they're not terrible but they yeah they're just like ah okay right and then when there's so many of them it kind of it dilutes most of them i did laugh when he said uh, you know there's a a word for women like you in this place and i (laughs) I knew they obviously weren't going to say it Mm. but clearly kind of referencing a lot of the misogyny directed at Mm -hmm. Larson and Marvel anyway, you know, and then when it was party pooper, I was like, yeah, it's like, okay, that's, that's funny. But yeah, just some of them was just kind of like odd, just like Frigga being a wine mom and then Jane going to her and like, you know, telling her everything that's happening in between yeah. sips of wine. It's just like, this is some fucking cliched, stereotypical <laughs> stuff. You know, it's like, it's, it's like something you'd see in a fucking Sex in the City sequel or something. You know, it's just like, what is this? This is, this is borderline who's, offensive. Who's writing these? Um, AC Bradley. It was a woman who wrote this episode. I, that's not what I asked. <laughs> Let's just be clear. That's not what I asked. I said, who's writing this? Uh, AC Bradley. Head writer and executive producer on What If? Consulting producer on Miss Marvel. Um, oh, she worked on Arrow and Troll Hunters and... The art style is very bland. Yeah. It's it's this yeah. like very yeah. generic Disney look and it's just especially with, like Captain Carter looks great. Like 
Captain Carter looks looks not not that she even necessarily looks like Hayley Atwell, but very much has that yeah. character's yeah. Basic spirit kids. and energy. And then Jane and Darcy could have been interchangeable. They're just like it's and even Tor Tor just looked like he looked like the fucking Prince Charming from Shrek, you know? Just just very very bland. Yeah. Jane was definitely like it's it's like Jane was written by somebody who hadn't even seen the Thor movies or something. It, well, it was weird. Like Natalie Portman, just like that was Natalie Portman voicing, but yeah. I just didn't get any anything of her mm-hmm. through it. You know. Yeah. Um. I re I did really enjoy this, but I looked at it as like when this. Yeah. I I didn't hate it, but it was it was just kind of. If this were a comic book, you would hire the appropriate artist for the tone of the 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 issue. And in my head, I was like, this is where the art style and the 3D rigs are hurting this show. Because what this should have been is drawn like a Bloomin' Animaniacs or a Looney Tunes episode. Everybody should have been caricatured to hell. And you should have played the, the silly rubber punching across the globe type of stuff. If you're going to go silly, go all the way. Yeah. This is it. And they were just kind of like, we want to do that, but we have to use the rigs we have. And we have to use the style we have. And if it had been... Yeah. I wish they had taken the visions approach for yeah. this and just and done a yeah. different style. That's it. Episode. I mean, yeah. there's stuff in the Doctor Strange episodes that could have been so pushed visually in terms of like mysticism and the arcane and that sort of stuff that it was just like, now nah, well we're stuck with the. And to be fair, when they needed to do that, the monsters and stuff that they pulled out were very hand drawn, two D pushing design type of stuff. At least for that show. Yeah. Um, so I did really enjoy this. I when Loki showed up as a twelve foot blue he man wearing a basically loincloth, I was like, okay, the internet's going to have a field day. You know, there are there are some thirsty Hiddleston ladies. What are they? Do they have a name? Hiddlestoners. There must be something, right? Um, Loquettes. There there must be a name for people that fan all over Loki. Um. And TikTok has not disappointed in that regard, but maybe that's my algorithm. Um, I thought he stole the show. I, I, and actually, Tom Hiddleston did a fab job of voiceover. He was mm. genuinely funny. Um, like, and then when he, even just thinking about how he, like, holding a human phone, how he broke it because he was so big, like, or how he's like, him and Thor are such bros, even though they're not like brothers yeah. of this universe they're like such it was such a bromance i loved it it was great but it was still like held back a it was bit. still it was still like the issue that we had last week rose like what is the change in agenda for our character and in this instance it was like he's more of an unchecked party animal but did we get the sense from the existing thor movies that loki was check keeping in check his raucousness like I never thought that that was what Loki did, you know, kept him. If anything, I would have thought that in was... check. I don't think it's that he, he. I don't. I don't think it's that he kept it in check. Distracted. I think it just was a different, yeah, just like a if different you're in mix. Competition with your brother, you're going to want to you impress know? your dad more. Whereas if you're the only kid, it's you can do whatever you want, and you're still going right. to be the golden child, maybe. And that's kind of what Loki did in mythology as well. You know, a lot of the things Loki did set right. other things in motion because of because of people's response. And it like they 
the show even referenced that, like Loki referenced that the the part that he's reliving over and over again when mm-hmm. he cuts Sif's hair. That's from mythology, and in mythology, that actually leads to the creation of Mjolnir. So that's it. It's not so much that Loki kept him in check. It's just Loki scheming the the catalyst for things. The dwarves weave or the dwarves forge new golden hair for Sif or something, isn't it? It's part of the gifts they bring. Yeah, I can't remember it exactly, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's more that Loki being dissatisfied and unhappy is the kind of root of their scheming and tricking and then that causes i think oh wilson mobius even says you know you you kind of you're the catalyst for other people to become the the better version of themselves so it's not so much that he kind of kept thor's partying in check it's just that it just elicited a different response from people because it is again funny who comes back to voice and who doesn't I thought it was odd uh, that Larson didn't I'm come back. That's what I'm looking at. But I, like I said, I, my, my kind of, the what I've said previously is that anybody who's come back to voice a character means they are going to show up again in a film. Because why would you? Yeah. Why would you sign up for a cartoon unless you've got more film roles coming up? And my theory with Larson has been for a while that they're going to either kill her off or depower her in I could be way off but I think that's what they're going to do because she's she's too powerful they don't know what to do with her um she was like a kind of a deus ex machina yeah. in Endgame and she's she's too powerful and they don't know what to do with her character and the fact that they've brought in Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel and that the next film is called Marvels Marvels yeah. as opposed to and I I don't think they'll do it because I don't think we'll see that. And the... also Rogue famously absorbs her powers and sticks her in a coma. Well, that, that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying is that... Bring on the X-Men. Bring I don't on. think we'll see the X-Men that soon. But 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 there is also a rumor that apparently Patrick Stewart is in Multiverse uh, I saw that previous image and so... went, this is bollocks. And then I saw it on like comic book reporters anyway, my, my, my theory for a while has been that they're going to either kill off her character or something and like i think the best way to do it would be if if they do introduce rogue but i think i don't think that's happening anytime too soon i don't think the x-men are happening a... anytime soon but i do think there's there's a reason there's a reason the next film has miss marvel it and a... captain marvel i think they're going to <laughs> no 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 i i think i think they're going to finish her off because you, you got to push. I don't think she's been very happy in the world. She's <laughs> no, gotten... <laughs> no, I'm just no. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> she she's gotten she's gotten so much, yeah, flack for playing this character, completely undeserved. And I wouldn't be surprised if she's not too happy in it. And like her role at the end of her cameo at the end of Shang Chi is kind of like, oh, I gotta go. I've got other shit to be doing. They don't know what to do with her, and I think I think they're gonna get rid of her. And I think that's why she didn't show up to voice. You don't think she's character. involved with whatever but, Fury's got going on in that spaceship? No. Okay. Sorry, no. Kree, you were saying. Uh, no, sorry, I just got sidetracked with Captain Marvel being in Shang Chi because I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> um, no, you're okay. No, I think I, it got spoiled she's not in it. online she's not in it. for me. And I was like, I was thinking, 
they're just screwing with people it's okay and then no no so if anything that was just confirmation so it's fine um i was thinking doesn't Sorry. change anything about the film it, it doesn't it doesn't change anything. Do anything she doesn't really yeah there's no contribution cool. there you just see her um yeah okay. i was thinking killing off captain marvel would be a great way to set up a really powerful villain because if you can kill off her then you're freaking massive threat so that could be a good narrative choice yeah it's it's frustrating because I did enjoy that movie. I like Brie Larson. I think there's lots to be done with this character. But even as you say, she's a deus ex machina, right? We came out of Avengers Infinity War, at least you and I, Brian, going, okay, and now we're flashing back 30 years where we learn about a superhero that's way overpowered who's going to solve all of this problem. This is such a stupid get-out-of-jail-free card. I hope it's not as ham-fisted as that seems. And then you see Endgame, and they may as well have not put her in the movie. Mm-hmm. She she crashed through a spaceship. It's like I could have watched War Machine yeah. do that. Like she. Yeah, like I I I love that moment, and I love I love her fight with Thanos, and I love that moment when she crashes through the ship. But the fact that it's not until two and a bit hours later, they two, two they twenty really, minutes in. Yeah, they really don't know what to do. It's true, like. Um, it's weird that they made her so powerful yeah. in the first place. I think that might have yeah. been a mistake. It's not a journey. Like, it's such a mislead to make us think she's going to solve the problem. At least somebody like Wanda, you can see mm. how she got there. And it wasn't so quick. Do you know, she's she's gone through an evolution. And they have a clear idea of what to do with her. Mm. You know, like they've really thought about her being overpowered and, and what's going to be done there. But they don't, like you said, have that with Captain Marvel and it is a bit of a cop-out to just bring her in, but that'll just make the fans like her less because they'll be like, oh, they're just doing the feminist thing. It's actually not the feminist thing, it's just a pure character thing. It's like Superman or, you know, if you don't know what to do with these characters, you have to think about that before you just put them in willy-nilly. Like, if she had had... If she had had... If we'd find out that her powers allowed travel through time, then she becomes intrinsic to Endgame. You know, she's the thing facilitating solving the problem. Or if there's something about her powers that Tony Stark can feed into, allow the time yeah. machine to work. Um, that would be interesting because her power came from whatever engine um, the Kree were building um, or Marvel was building. Um, oh, Kree, yeah, I saw you. I'm an entire alien civilization. Hello. Because if you remember, like, X-Men Days of Futures Past, where they had, was it Kitty Pride or something? Somebody holding... That didn't really work for me, though, either. Yeah. Kitty Pride holding... <laughs> it, it, I, it didn't make sense that Kitty's Pride, Kitty Pride's powers allowed phasing through time mm. at this point in her mm. power set or something. But it, it was using a character's power set to facilitate the narrative. And I thought they were going to do something like that with Captain Marvel. And she literally just shows up two and a half hours in to yeah. punch a thing. And then is, it, isn't like, the thing that solves it, that saves the day. I, I don't think that's even the problem. I think it's just the fact that they've made her too powerful. Right. It, it's not even like it. it yeah, I, I, I don't think the problem was that they couldn't think of what to do with her because I think what they did worked, but they also just... She's like the like, Eagles. Immediately after... Lord of the Rings reference? Immediately after creating the character, they, they backed themselves into a corner with her. It's just strange that they, they went there. Yeah. Like, we all know that, you know, characters need flaws and they can't be 
can't be too powerful and yet they were just like no no she's <laughs> she can just you know wipe out any kind of alien invasion if she'd been around in new york it would have been over in seconds but mm. I, I do think they're getting rid of her next movie because why bring in two other marvels it's just a question of how and the one that makes sense would be to bring rogue in but i don't know if they will i think it's too soon so uh rogue in the comic books and i was talking to you about this a bit brian a few months back like with the marvel universe app um i was looking at some of like the first appearances of rogue and she spent a significant amount of her sort of early appearances as just a villain with the brotherhood of evil mutants and eventually she gets her hands on uh carol danvers and absorbs her powers and danvers gets stripped of her powers and left in a coma and uh rogue can fly around and hit things really strong now so like there's a complete there's a drastic change in that character it's funny like we th- maybe i'm speaking for you and i brian but like we think of rogue as that like 90s big hair southern bell leather jacket rogue yeah. and then post uh and that better X-Men be the version movie. we get because can i also put out justice for jubilee can we get an actual good representation of jubilee yes. And the non-vampire version, please. The non-vampire? Is there a vampire jubilee? So they changed Rogue power, Rogue's powers and she basically has fire powers and jubilee gets vampire powers. She becomes a vampire. <sighs> my buddy X-Men Bob really refers to this bankrupt as... The, of ideas. <laughs> my buddy Bob refers to, and he'll be so happy he was mentioned by name this week because he's been mentioned sort of tangentially. Hello, Bob. Hi, Bob. He refers to the the establishing of universes as you know you're setting up your world, and then once you've done that, you shuffle the deck. And after that point, it's like, why are we still watching this? You know, you're just fucking around with things. And to so, Rogue's superpowers are fire based now. And well, last time I read, they were fire, but they they might have since changed back. But when I and this is. This was years ago now again that I mm. picked up the comics, but they, yeah, she basically just had fire powers instead of her yeah, strength I see, I, and draining stuff. Even early 2000s stuff when they were introducing the concept of secondary mutations in, in adult mutants, you know, at a certain point you develop a second skill because we want to have another angle in a story or something. Jubilee more had also gained the powers of a vampire from her transformation by the bite of Zarus, son of Dracula. Her powers include superhuman strength and speed and the ability to turn into vapor. She can heal much faster than a human. As a vampire, Jubilee now possesses all of the weaknesses as a vampire. However, she uses a medallion created by Zarus, which allows all vampires to endure sunlight. Quentin Choir later apparently cure Jubilee from her vampiric status after using a shard of the phoenix force he carried to save her from certain death, restoring her mutant powers in the process. Cool. So which version of Jubilee um, do you want, Cree? I'm not super familiar with her, but the, you know, the X-Men cartoon version looks pretty fun. Or just, just even, yeah. Yellow coat and firework fingers. <laughs> it's just, it would be fun. Like, they put her in X-Men Apocalypse, Lana Condor as Jubilee but they didn't put her in Apocalypse because she yeah. barely said anything she didn't show her powers apart from in like a deleted scene to like make a, a arcade game work uh, like you know it just was not interesting 
And it's unfortunate because Lana Condor was wasted as as talent in that movie. Mm. So I just I just think she'd be a really cool and interesting character to have in the Marvel universe on screen because she hasn't been accurately portrayed, I don't think. And that's coming from someone who doesn't really know the character, so <laughs> do you know. No, I, I think she's a she is a much loved character, um, and yeah, we're we're all kind of waiting for sort of the X Men to be introduced. I can I, I don't want the Fox stuff creeping into the MCU. Let's just redo it, you know. Let's pick someone new who looks good bald. Jason Statham can be Professor X. I'd be I'd be really surprised. I'd be really surprised if they went back there because yeah, there wasn't a lot of success in there. It's a lot of money made, but there wasn't a lot money of money yet, but not not yeah. not good stuff. There's stuff where it's like the comic book they did with old man Logan where he crossed into like that that weird sort of what if futurist alternative reality crossed back into mainstream comics. They brought him back to today. It's like cool, that's actually an avenue where you could get Jackman in and he can be older and Wolverine. Um but do we really want to open the door to Fucking I mean, they're already bringing Deadpool in, though, as Ryan Reynolds. So, so how do they get out of that? I mean, you could use the get out of jail card. He is that one character that you could bring in solo because he's such a exactly he's that fourth wall breaking character. They they could probably do that, but then it's also like, well, he is from that universe, so it depends on who they bring with him, maybe. Yeah. It is. They gotta they, be selective. Just him on his own. That could be okay. But They've, they, I don't know. It's. I don't know how they're gonna do that. Cause and then the MCU itself isn't a fourth wall breaking thing. So, is it now gonna be a fourth wall breaking thing with Deadpool in it? Like, I don't know how they're gonna do it. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm so glad that they're continuing with Deadpool and with Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool because that you know you couldn't get a better choice. But I'm just curious as to how they're gonna weave that into the greater narrative. I'll imagine they'll what? just you know dismiss it as. He went mad from the multiverse. <laughs> There's a like, camera no, no. right there like, in my we're face. In a movie. We're in a movie right now. It's like, Look no, at Greg. He, he's the sad okay. guy. He, uh, he, hopped from, he hopped from another reality to where one. Greg, say something. <laughs> You're the sad guy. First AD, look at me. She's looking. At, look, can you not see these people? Ah, And then it's like, I think that would be funny. He should directly address someone in the audience. You just like pick a John or uh, yeah. or uh, Kevin. I don't know, Kevin Feige. Brian, guaranteed to be Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Stop adjusting yourself. You're in public. I know there's a Brian in the audience watching right now. Like that'd be that'd be such an easy easy win. Easy and then everyone else can't see it, but somebody like Mantis is like, oh, I can see it or something. It's like no. <laughs> so the the. The end of that episode, do you think that the end that we saw there is contained to that episode? Or do you think for the next few what-ifs we see knock-on I think effects? they're going to bring people together. I think we're going we're gonna to see... Because I saw the, the mid-season trailer and it looks like they might be bringing Captain Carter and Party Thor and T'Challa as Star-Lord. Like all these heroes that they've set yeah. up, I think they're going to bring them together to fight something. And maybe that's what the whole Vision Infinity Stone Does thing. that Vision Ultron with all of the Infinity Stones allow him to jump dimensions and he becomes Quite a multiversal possibly. threat? And now we're going to start seeing some connective tissue. Why doesn't 
zombie Thanos use the stones to cure himself? Does sorry, I'm still on the zombie thing because it's I mean, stupid. It's kind of he's like, got the soul stone. There's some version of him connecting with all of the souls in the universe. He he would have a moment where he'd be like, "Oh wow, I've got these stones and I can use them to uh, make myself not a fucking rotting if you piece to, of flesh." But it's part of the zombie virus where it's you want stupid. to. I mean, it basically turns you evil so it changes your mind you know that you want to eat people and people who are your friends and stuff but he's got the soul stone would that be enough to like if isn't it you use the stone i mean you can hold the you can hold the the mind he's got the he's got the he doesn't have the mind stone yet because they're flying to wakanda with the mind stone but he's got the soul stone and he's got the time stone he could just go back to the point well, I think it would, based on the, the fact that he's, the he's got the sense. It just does he's got the sense to use. What if it yeah, so if it's called what, what if, if, and I'm going to say what if. And we're going to say why the fuck not. Or yeah, exactly. You could say like, why yes. does Paul? Ru- why is Paul Rudd able to speak if he can't breathe? Do you know, we could go down that road of like, you know, he doesn't have lungs. He he probably doesn't have much in the ways of vocal cords anymore, but he still speaks. So we could, I suppose, pick it apart. But it is a house of cards built by fools. No, that's. That's science. They're using science to do that. He's got a time stone. Why can't he just go back in time and unzombie himself? Because he's also got the soul stone, which, as the show is revealed, gives you these deep, profound moments of, you know, clarity and connection and insight. So the second he, you know, gets the soul stone, he would have that moment. He would have a conversation with something and he'd be able to say, hey, don't have to be a zombie no more. So Marvel are involved in some oh, sort of yeah. legal battle or lawsuit now around the concept of copyright termination on work for hire contracts, right? Did Brian sent this to the group. I don't know if Cree had a chance to, to read it. Uh, I had a little bit of a read. The general gist of it is that as an as a contractor doing a work-for-hire job, illustration or character creation, there is a statute of limitations or an end date on how long the company for who you sold those rights can own them. And on paper, it's 92 years or something. I, I did a little Googling. It's like 120 years or 92 from publishing. So in theory, anyone who created a character for Marvel in a work-for-hire context the rights to those characters revert back to those creators after that duration. So the problem they're having now is that's going to come up with the with the Avengers and Spider-Man. And there's a number of comic book creators that uh, would like a big chunk of Disney money. How do we feel about Disney fighting this? Because those laws were put in place for a reason, right? So it's just a hundred years later, you just want to dispute the law because you're making enough money? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if Disney is the most fair company. It's like I've, I've got a bit of a love-hate relationship <sighs> with Disney. Like as a filmmaker, it's annoying that they have such a monopoly on the industry. But then, you know, they have all this content that I want to look at. So it's like, ugh. And then with this kind of thing, it's like, is it petty? Is it not? I don't, I don't know enough. Maybe, hmm. but 
those sort of contracts are not fair. Yeah. They might be legal, but they're not fair. Yeah. And you're, you know, if you're going to, if, if, if you're going to work for hire, if you're going to own something a person creates outright, they should be compensated even greater because it's like, hey, you're going to create this thing for us. We're going to own it, but we're not just going to give you whatever fee we're going to, the fee is going to be larger because we're going to own it. But that wasn't the case. They were just given, you know, they were given a basic amount to own something outright and they had no choice but to sign it because they wanted to work and they had no there was no balance of power in that situation they they had all they had all the resources they were gatekeeping it was like if you want to be in this industry if you want to work in this industry if you want to get stuff published it's got to be through us or nothing else and the only deal we're going the only deal on the table is we're going to own it outright and those kind of contracts are not fair at all. I don't, yeah, and that's true. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that. It's it's like, it is kind of shitty. It's it's the world that existed. It's the agreement they signed to. It's not fair. Where I'm going, okay, we played your game, Disney, or Marvel at the time. We agreed to your unfair situation. But there was literally laws in the books that allow me to get this copyright back after a period of essentially a hundred years. My family can get something back from my creation. These laws are in the books, and now just because that's coming up, and because you have enough money, you're trying to snake out of it. Uh, and they will. They'll get away with it, unfortunately. Because they did that with Mickey it's, Mouse it's, already, it's, right? Mickey should be public domain at this point. Yeah, and even like... Um Siegel and Schuster tried it with Superman years ago, mm. and they it it didn't work. They don't stand a chance, unfortunately. Well, um, the thing is, the Siegel and Schuster didn't get, you know, equal ownership of the thing, but they got a big payout. And this is the thing: Disney will settle to all of these creators and pay them a whack of money. I don't know if they will necessarily. It it depends on what judge they end up with, to be honest. Yeah. Like, a, a, a judge can just dismiss this and say, no. Like, there's... there's... But it just it makes not complete fair. mockery of any copyright law, you know? Like, the, the concept of public domain is there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And stuff is supposed to transition to public domain at a certain point. And, I mean, I know those laws are as arbitrarily placed as anything goddamn else. But it is frustrating that, like, if you and I come up with a comic book character and you publish it in your small press and we sell it in our local bookshops and whatever, in a hundred years, the rights just revert back to me because it's you and I, just small people, just yeah. walking around. But if you're big enough and you have the power of a Disney behind you, you file yeah, the right lawsuits just... and you just subvert the law entirely. Yeah, or you can just bury people in suits because yeah. you've got the money and resources to keep them out of court. But, I mean, that's... Capitalism, yay! What's your favorite moment in capitalism this season? Uh, this season? Yeah, Ooh. this season. Oh God! Um, the twenty twenty one season. I don't know. I, I, I think maybe it's. Uh, actually, I don't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> say it, not cut it. I'll get. I'll get too mad. Say it, not cut it. No, no. It, it's it's just to do with landlords and rents. Oh God! Yeah, we Rad have to curve. balance the idea. Balance it. That one that, person's yeah. rent is another person's income. Mm. 
yeah, we don't have to balance that actually. We no, need to change that. <laughs> yeah. no. I can't believe he said that. Jesus Christ, what a prick. But what he meant to say is we have to balance the idea that one person's rent is my income. Mm-hmm. And what he or meant was many people's, people's rent. Many people's income. rent is my income. Yeah. Did we did we just bring it all down? Cree, you're you're the positive okay, one. Okay. Bring the positivity. Um, um it's nearly it Christmas. Back. Save us. For those of you who are like me and love Christmas and want to get your tree up in September. Nearly Christmas. <laughs> I know people will hate me for this. No, get your no, tree I up want in September. to. I don't though, because I live with other people. I do like the idea of a Halloween tree. I've seen like a couple yeah, of people Yeah, actually, that did I that. really want to do that. That would be pretty awesome, like making some decorations, putting it on a tree, but it's a tree that doesn't have any leaves or anything. It's like a dead tree or something. Mm. Like, Ooh. Do you know, I've got like a Halloween playlist um, and I'm going to be dressing up, even though I've nowhere to go. Um, I'm going to try and do Eleven from Stranger Things because I like the 80s you're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> and I like Stranger Things. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna. It's. I'm gonna do season three, eleven, which is where With she's hair. wearing like this really cool, yeah, blue shirt. I bought a yellow scrunchie, which is my first ever scrunchie, um, and I'm gonna be wearing it on Halloween. And jeans and braces, and I'm gonna put some blood under my nose, and that's eleven. So it's pretty straightforward. You must know when the next season of that's coming out, right? Like next year, I I purposely don't look it up because I'm just it's it's next kind of year. I thought it was supposed to be like a month away. Is it not? I know. Well, they keep year? pushing it back. Last I heard, I mean, hopefully it's soon. But I'm kind of like I Is heard different things about pushbacks, and I don't know. I'm just looking forward to it either way. But hmm. they've cast new people in it, most notably probably Amy Beth McNulty from Anne with an E. Okay. Um, she's like a band nerd in it, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, yeah, so positivity. Um, Halloween is good. Halloween is good and Christmas is good. And we have air, we can breathe and... and Jesus Christ, the struggle for this Not is... until they start charging us for it. <laughs> The water wars are coming as well. Let's not forget. <laughs> you laugh. Christmas, Christmas is They're my real. is my positive my offer of positivity. Have a great Christmas, everyone. So you saw Jaws for the first time. I did. I did. Um, T- tell us about Jaws. What's the plot of Jaws? Um, bad shark. It's about a mayor because of capitalism won't close <laughs> the beach because of capitalism. <laughs> Yeah, capitalism Sorry, is the real evil here, even though we were meant to think that it's a shark. Um, Goddamn Jaws Mare. Yeah, I don't know why I hadn't seen it. Yeah, well, I kind of have an idea because I'm a film student. I've been pressured to watch it. People are like, go watch this. I've I've been shown in class scenes from Jaws being like, this is how you make a movie. It's so good. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I will watch it. It wasn't at the forefront of what I wanted to seek out shall we say in terms of films I need to watch just for filmmaking because to be really honest it's done quite negative things to the public persona of sharks and people in general have less empathy to the species as a whole 
and um, it's negatively impacted them a lot. So I kind of was thinking, I don't, I don't want to get a a bad impression of sharks by watching Jaws. Do you know, even though like now, now sharks are fucking monsters. But I know water-based this- fucking killers. <laughs> That do not have your best interests at heart. Yeah, they were, they literally referred to them as like killing machines, but but I'm like, that's pretty negative to to that to a species. I know I know that wasn't their intention. They were just trying to make a good movie, and it was a good movie. And I'm glad fucking that fucking Stingray kill Steve Irwin. <laughs> Shark I mean, adjacent. But 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 they are animals, and we just need to respect them and give them their space, and not hunt them, and not make shark fin soup, and stop that from happening, and just protect them. So, with all of that said, Jaws is a really good movie, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, cool. it was there were great characters and dialogue. Um, the editor also pretty much saved that movie i heard because the shark was the kind of animatronic or whatever they were using as the shark kept like sinking and there were problems with that so it was actually saved completely in the edit and it it totally worked i i am the kind of person i couldn't help kind of laughing when the that guy was killed and like bit through the stomach and blood started coming through his mouth i was kind of like it's kind of funny um you know it's what <laughs> i think it was the effects more than it's horrifying this no, fucking it's, it's, shark sympathizer would be laughed as quint got <laughs> murdered <laughs> it was kind of the fisherman though, hate crime just purely just purely from an effects standpoint not that i'm not i'm not shitting on jaws it okay. is really good um and yeah, the frustration with the guy, the mayor, wasn't it the mayor? I've only seen it the ones. I don't know character names. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, when he, he is, he is it, so frustrating. Yeah, I kind of wish it had been him that got bit through the stomach. That would be very satisfying. And terrible. I'm the positive one. And terrible. It would be terrible. Um, I'll catch a shark for you. He Robert <laughs> Shaw is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The tail what's the name of the boat he was on we only just watched it yeah i know but 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 i've been watching a lot of things to catch up with the podcast so the the name of the boat has escaped me at this moment uh indianapolis Uh Indianapolis. that's when i was most afraid i'll never put on a life jacket again like that scene's amazing woke up and leaned over saw my friend he bobbed open up down his legs were gone bit clean in half it wasn't in the original script as well. No, Robert Shaw just made it up. No, That's no, um, he improved all. Was that. the guy? I'm <laughs> trying to remember the guy's name. Um, he's the guy who directed the first Conan film. What's his name? Blank uh, his name. Dino Dilla, no, Dino De Laurentiis. No, he directed. He no, that was the producer. I'm blanking on his name. It's it's something as silly, and I say as silly, and I mean. Um, uh, John, John Milius. Milius. That yep. guy's a nut job. <laughs> jo- yeah, nut job. But, but he wrote he wrote the Do You Feel Lucky Punk. Mm. He wrote the Quince thing in in Jaws. He wrote. He was a script doctor basically, and he'd come in and he'd he'd punch up a couple of he'd, he'd add scenes to stuff. But um, there is a list of like iconic stuff that he's added to 
the films. Oh, thank goodness you did yeah, that because that was a great scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Really well, it's, a, it's just this. It's such a. I don't know. It's so funny how that film turns around, and there's this just bonding moment of the three lads in mm. the boat, and like you do care about all these characters throughout it to a degree, but just this that scene that night on the boat just makes you love them all, and suddenly you are deeply right in invested in what the, happens with them. Yeah, right in um, time for the climax of actually yeah. trying to evade the shark. Like there's a thing with Duval's. It is Duval, isn't it? No, it's not Duval. Fucking who? Who is uh, uh, Dreyfus? Dreyfus, thank you so much. The the kind of disdain that Quint has for Dreyfus's character throughout it, and the slow, begrudging respect, and the fact that like as Dreyfus learns about Quint's history, like he recognizes the Indianapolis thing, like is it a tattoo that kicks that off, mm. and like he knows, like he's like, oh god, in awe of what Shaw went through, and Shaw or Quint. Quint sees that respect and they, they like the fact that they have such respect for the for um oh Hooper is Dreyfus, isn't it? And it's Yeah um Brody is the, the chief. Like Brody was they they can't but respect Brody because he's fucking terrified, but he's out on the boat, you know? Yeah, I like that arc of his character, the whole he's super scared, but he does this after his son was put in danger. Mm. Um, he's a very endearing character and the, like the ideal sort of protagonist for a movie like you totally are backed 100% you're backing him and um, Hooper as the one who actually knows about Ooh, the shark you're, you know yeah he's like the red flag guy who's like hey yo there's still a shark out there and it's like mm. no 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 and it's just it's so frustrating but the, the way they build that frustration in the audience as well as the the characters was really well done and you can just tell that this is not going to end well people are gonna die like you're just an asshole for not letting them close the beach do you know it has one of the best amateur actors performances of all time when hooper pulls the shark out of the water and goes oh it's a tiger shark and the like they hired locals and just this local guy just goes a what <laughs> It's there. There it are a number of those moments in it. So you now need to go watch Jaws two through five. Oh god. Okay. You don't like, at all. Wait, uh, Jaws. Is it Jaws four? Is in three D? Oh gee. They missed a trick with that one. Is it in like good three D? Like, can you actually? No. And it, it, it's, no. it's it's it's, it's <laughs> the one. Yeah. It's Michael Caine, isn't it? Is, is he in three? I saw the shark. I think so. And I killed the shark. The the quote from Michael Caine is, I never saw Jaws 3. I saw the house it built. <laughs> the 3D stuff is so funny to look at. Is Kurt Russell in that movie? Oh, that's worth watching. Fun. To make an effective 3D image, you can't hide the shark at that point. So you just have a big blue ocean with this tiny little like floaty shark coming towards <laughs> you. And oh it my is... Gosh. It's It's terrible. So that's Classic Movies Corner with Cree. Thank you. Oh, I also, speaking of classic movie corner, just one more thing. I saw Love Story, which was uh, very interesting. And I didn't, it was, what, 1970 it came out? I have not seen that. I know it's like a little cultural moment. I would I would give cinema, it a watch if I it don't. was Disney Plus or Netflix. Either It was one of them. 
um, that it's on but people should give it a watch if they're into like film and writing and things because um, for back then especially I haven't seen a lot of poignant relationships being portrayed from like the early 70s you know it's usually you know the the woman is the woman you know of that time and stuff but this one um, she's actually you know got a personality and they're more equal okay. than than usual which was interesting and it was very sad and, and yeah I strongly also, disagree with the line in the film the famous line though Oh yeah, no, the famous line it can go and try, but it was nineteen seventy. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. there's love means never having to never say you're having sorry. To say you're sorry. Yeah, yeah. no, that's a load. Excuse of me, what? <laughs> <laughs> that is a load of bollocks. Mm. But you know, for the time, it was actually relatively progressive. I think, but mm-hmm. maybe not. I mean, I wasn't around in nineteen seventy. I don't know what was progressive and what wasn't. But, and um, that was good. Also, Mickey Bow and Me, I watched as well. What the hell is that? You mentioned that earlier. I remember the name of that. Yeah. So is that it's... about a dog or an alien or something? What is that <laughs> no, about? No, no, no. No, it's not Mac like and Me. E. It's e. Mickey Bowen. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're thinking of Mac and Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's as far from that as you can get. It's about these two boys in Northern Ireland in around... nine. I'm going to say 1970 because Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid came out in 69 and right. the whole thing is these two boys from opposite sides of the city, you know, like Protestants and Catholics, um... These two so, boys. I'm just, I'm just trying to draw parallels with Mac and me. One of them's an alien that they hide in a box and they're <laughs> around McDonald's. The Protestant is yeah, kept in a cupboard. Yeah, there is no McDonald's product They're trying to have the, the Catholic parent not find the Protestant boy. <laughs> um, the Protestant's in the cupboard with the toaster. I haven't seen Mac and me, I think for good reason as well. Because E.T. exists and why would I watch... You're aware of Paul Rudd's running joke on Conan O'Brien, right? What is the joke? It happened once... I mean, like, it just became a bit, but, like, in... Paul Rudd's first appearance on Conan O'Brien in the mid-90s, he went, and we've got a clip of your new movie. And he just goes, yeah, um, do you want to set it up? And he goes, no, I think the clip speaks for itself. And then they just cut the clip of the wheelchair with the kid and Mac and me rolling down a hill and off a cliff. Oh, my gosh. And then... Every Paul Rudd experience for the next 20 years. He says, you've got a clip of your new movie. And they would just play the Mac and Me clip. That's and, brilliant. Um, I mean, I don't know how much of it Conan was in on. I guess by the fifth time, he's like, I know what I'm going to see here. I, I, I think by the second time, <laughs> he's probably in it the first time. But yeah, uh, it's the, the commitment to the bit now is is funnier than... Yeah. It's admirable. Uh, I mean, it's still funny, yeah. is the thing. So it's like, I'm, they both they, sit there smirking and... So you're in this new Avengers movie. We have a clip. Yep. And it's just Mac and me plays in the background. <laughs> they don't even talk about it at that point. Um, but please, Mickey Bow and yeah, Me. Yeah, Mickey, Mickey Bow and Me is actually a good movie. Um, so it's about these Take that, boys. Mac and Me. Shots fired. <laughs> I, think it's, I think that's an okay statement for me to say, though. I haven't seen the movie, but I know it's just not the best, but... You know, maybe benefit of the doubt, I might watch it someday. But Mickey Bow, Mickey Bow and Me um, is about these boys. It's around like that, 1970, because they bond. And obviously, you know, people are very divided at this point and very wary of each other. And there's the whole, you know, crossing the bridge thing of like, oh, you're not allowed to cross the bridge over into their area. So there's tensions, you know. Um, And these two boys find each other and they become fast friends because Mickey Bow is the kind of instigator of all their troublemaking 
and the other fella is just kind of along for it. It's very endearing. Um, basically, the whole plot is they see, they come together, they become friends, they go to see Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and they basically want to create that themselves, and so they go and like make an adventure for themselves. For themselves, and it's yeah. I don't want to give too much away, but definitely in terms of like Irish, at least on the island, you know, Republic mm. and North, um, cinema, yeah. people should check it out. Um, the child actors in it are brilliant, especially Mickey Bow. He hasn't really done anything since, um, but he was fantastic and and very, uh, f- spirited and full of energy and hilarious. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely check it out. If you're into good movies, oh, I, I mean, I guess it's I got grain of salt on Wikipedia, but like budget five million dollars, box office one hundred and seventy-two thousand. It must have made money elsewhere, but like, oh god, it's hard. Well, when you say budget or box office one hundred seventy-two thousand, it's hard to think it scaled another mm. four point eight million. That's probably total box office. It wouldn't just give local pocket local office, I don't think yeah yeah well it's on Netflix for anyone who's interested I think it's well worth a watch mm. god almighty is there any money made in film by you know not huge conglomerates I know it's disheartening that's yeah fucking Ooh. capitalism curse you Disney <laughs> so um, we were talking about this a little bit uh, that like everything we kind of watched this week most of what we watched this week was Disney Plus based. So, you know, mm. Why the Last Man is on there, Only Murders in the Building, and Star Wars Visions. Um, Only Murders continues to be fun. Um, I'm still enjoying that. I don't know if we want to dig into the episode. Um, sure, did you watch it, Brian? Mm-hmm. Did I you enjoy did. it? I did. Um, I meant to say it a couple of times and I never ended up saying it, but kind of obvious that who tie-day person was going to be yeah but not because mm. like it's obvious because they made it obvious you know? yeah once we um, established that she had a group of friends he was going to fall into yeah of that. yeah exactly but is that them dead at the start of the series then or is it somebody else wearing the tie-dye oh shit i'd forgotten that the episode the, the pilot opens yeah, with tie-dye guy mm-hmm. or tie-dye hoodie dead interesting yeah. So is um, it actually him? Or is it someone just randomly wearing it? I think by the rules of filmmaking, that opening scene has to be a mislead, right? It could Probably. be misleading. If, it could be it, being it, set up to be misleading, yeah. but it's not misleading, in which in case makes it misleading. Yeah. It's the bassoonist. I think Well, so. that's it. That the, the face is hidden, so yeah. it could be somebody else wearing the tie-dye hoodie. Yeah. Um, but that is also why we're getting a second season. Ooh, didn't know mm. that. Because that's yeah. Is that going to be the final scene of this season? Is them over that body? No, but there there'll be something a little extra. But it's because that it's falls not going into to be a whole like lot more. we kind of touched on it last week. But that falls into the thing. I, I hate. know, I know. Yeah, that's I why really I don't it. like it. I really don't <laughs> like it. Um. I, I, we, we have an ongoing thing where I do not like opening a project with here's a shitty situation and then cut to previously and we end up getting back to there. The shitty situation. Yeah, like Suicide Squad really annoyed me when it did it 
when I was watching Suicide Squad, but it very quickly just went, and we're back to where we were on the island, let's keep moving forward. Like, it, it mm-hmm. did it in 15 minutes rather than making the whole movie about getting back to that for the third act. Yeah. Um, I liked the scene in the car with the other podcasters, the yard dogs, was it? The, the um, horticultural uh, hombres or something, isn't it? Mm. Or something, um, something like that. The, the name of the podcast was Yard Dogs, I think, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, and it's all, for all your horticultural... Yeah. yeah, they were brilliant. We had a meeting with Cindy Canning. Cindy sees our boy. <laughs> she loves <laughs> our greens. I, I've watched the episode, I think, twice at least. The guy who comes in at the end. Was the he introduced? Guy? Yeah, like he just walks in and they're just talking to him. He, he yeah. says something to them. And I was just like, do we know this? Who's this person? Like, Yeah, we knew they, they were going to meet him, but you they? don't see him. It's like there's a moment. scene missing or something. I found it very, very jarring. Yeah, yeah it, it is like there's a scene where Selena Gomez and tie-dye guy walk in and talk to him for a minute and then he goes in back. But we didn't get that scene. Is there? Know? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, a, a yeah. Thing, It feels like there should be that moment because he then just walks it's, out and just joins the conversation but, as if he'd been yeah, there. Yeah, and the way, the way it happens is almost exactly the way Martin Short's son walks in to tell them that hmm. Mabel knows Tim. It happens in almost the same way. The guy just kind of walks in from another room and goes, hey, here's a piece of uh, exposition. And it's like, what? It's like, that. I was like, "Is that? that's not his son. Why did they just repeat the same exact yeah. piece at the, the end of an episode? I love Martin weird. Short walking around with that boom mic with the, the oh, wind cover on it. Just going, could you say that again? Like, just I love that when people. he says something like real poignant or something, he's like, no, no, I got to do that again. He's like, motherfucker. We'll loop it. <laughs> um, so we just discussed that we're talking on a podcast about a show about a podcast that's pretty cool which even in the show we know that Tina Fey starts a podcast about their podcast yeah mm-hmm. kind of meta very podcast quite heavy. meta <laughs> I, I the whole thing with Sting is that, was that this episode as well or was that last kind episode? Kind of mad. It was probably last episode, but I just, mm. I, I haven't really been on talking about it. I just want to put out there the jokes that they keep making about being close to Sting. Is That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> Don't stand so close to Sting. You don't stand so close to Sting. <laughs> I, I have a I feeling it won't be like, like knowing the... the talent pool that this group is pulling from in terms of like the SNL pedigree on it it's like mm. we could we could see Paul Simon in here at some point because like Lauren yeah. and Paul Simon are just 40 year friends that do lunch every week like he, he's I been popping be up in SNL forever if, if Paul Simon's character was called Al he's like oh you can call me Al oh god I, I think knowing the show at this point he would just be Paul Simon lives in the building you know yeah yeah probably um, but that would be kind of funny the only living boy in New York um. I kind of I think that they're, they are I kind of want a little bit more information about like the whole Tim Kono thing I hope that it rounds itself out and that it doesn't continue on to season 2 of like we're still figuring out how Tim Kono died I hope that yeah. they've resolved the Tim Kono thing and then maybe there's another murder or something else that they have to figure out I'd well, say that's it's that it sort be. of thing where when a show is built on a mystery like that, trying to carry the carry that energy into a second season is so hard to do it. I don't know that anything yeah. ever achieves it, you know. 
So they'd need a new mystery, I think. Or some well, that weird thing, twist. They, they become the subject of Tina Fey's other podcast called Only Murderers in the Building. Yeah. So there is that murder we see at the start and then she makes a podcast about them becoming the suspects in another murder. So I think they probably will resolve the Tim Conwell thing and then as they solve that, it's going to... You know, you you pretty solidly kind of convinced, or do you just know this for a fact? Like season two is going to be based around Tina Fey's podcast. Cindy Not that it's going to be based around the podcast, but the fact that the fact it's that she has a podcast and she says that right. they're the suspects in they become the suspects in another murder, mm. which is the murder we see the whoever's wearing the tie dye. Mm. That's what she's talking about. So we know mm. that's where it's headed. Yeah. So that that's the that's the second one. That we... That's true. See, I forgot. <laughs> but yeah, I just basically all I'm hoping for is that the Tim Kono thing is just resolved because it's kind of, I'm like I'm still invested, but not for long. So you gotta pull something out of the bag. I think it is something to do with her family, the girl's family. Yeah. Because they say her family owns like the eleventh floor of the building. Yeah. Who, the girl so that died or Selena Gomez? Yeah, the girl that died. And that's why that's why Tim probably didn't talk because the family is so powerful. Right. Mm. Is it going to tie back to that woman who like runs the Homeowners Association? No. Okay. I kind of, in a weird, it, this is going to sound weird, but I kind of want the, bazo- the bassoonist to be the murderer. I think that would be pretty fun. I think she's a weird character to set up to not be... Like, it's a really Somebody. straight line to have her be yeah. a reveal later in the day. And it's like, this part of me that's like, that's so easy. Well, it, it, part of me is like, it let's connects, not do that. It connects to whatever jewelry smuggling ring that Tim is trying to take down. That's who killed him. Hmm. Hmm. But that possibly has something to do with the rich girl's family, I think. Yeah. Because she was the one who had them all like stealing jewelry and stuff anyway. Right. Oh. And then so Yeah, Tim she comes got the keys, says, the caretaker's key and was leading them into the apartment. Yeah. Interesting. I just realized since we're speculating about who actually was the murderer, we've turned effectively into a murder podcast ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're actually doing we're doing the only It's a fake crime one, building. but it's it's not true crime, yeah. it's fake crime. So this week, look for this episode of The Endless Stream in the true crime section. (laughs) Or no, there's a fiction crime section, is there? Sure. We just made up a dead guy and killed him. Also on Disney Plus this week is Star Wars Visions, which is an anthology series with various Japanese studios putting out a 10 to 15 minute, 10 to 20 minute episode of a, their interpretation of a Star Wars universe story. I've watched about half of them. Have you all watched all of them, I'd imagine? Yep. Nope. I've seen all of nope. them. Nope. I was saving it so we could rank them with Kev, and Kev can uh. tell us that he gave them all three and a half, 3.9 stars out, or thumbs out of five. So have you seen any of them? Uh, the first one. Okay. That's it. Um, I've so watched four of them. So I kind of just watched all of them for the 
podcast. That's fine. <laughs> no, that, that's, no, I'm glad that's... I watched them. It's good. Did you want to watch them? Did we force you to watch Star Wars Visions? Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't forcing to. I. It's not something that I would have sought out myself. You know, just purely because I'm not an anime nerd. I yeah. really am into it that much. Like apart from the likes of Kiki's Delivery Service, I've seen Mob Psycho 100 as well, and I really love the first season of that. But I amn't versed in the ways of anime, nor am I particularly attracted to it, just personally. Um, well, I'm I'm halfway so, through Star Wars Visions, and I think we can agree that it makes perfect sense that if you're a badass woman in an anime world, you're definitely wearing heels. I hate that. It's so annoying. It's, it's like three three out of four I've watched, there's a badass woman in it, and they're all wearing stilettos. It's like, that's <laughs> like, so annoying. <laughs> like, she's using the force to keep it from breaking. <laughs> Mm. Like just um, something to worry about. Spoilers, Brian: a lightsaber comes out I've... of a stiletto. <laughs> like bayonetta, cool. <laughs> That's the one thing I just like about the series. But yeah, so it, it wasn't something that I was going to seek out. You know, I might have, you know, clicked on it if I was bored or something. Yeah. But, but I'm actually glad though that I that I branched out and I watched it because I, you know, beforehand I was thinking. Anime and Star Wars. I wasn't sure if it was going to mix for me personally. But then, you know, watching it, I I realized, like, Star Wars is already quite similar to the kind of Japanese or East Asian culture. Not that I'm very versed on that and I could be getting this wrong completely. Yeah, Lucas was a huge samurai movie fan and that fed into... Like, Star Star Wars. Wars is a space western, people say, but the whole western thing was based on... Star Wars, Star Wars is based is a on space the samurai movie. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, but yeah. like, it can tie into yeah. the Western thing as well. It's literally based on the Western Fortress. Th- themselves yeah. are based on that as well as, and then yeah. it's also directly from it. So like, you know, samurai, Jedi. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you know, like Ahsoka even had like a Soto, a Shoto saber. Do you know, like they yeah. just, so it does tie in. And then with the spirituality and stuff, as we see in episode one, um, yeah. with the shrine, the Sith shrine and stuff. So... It does tie in, and if you were going to do a kind of Star Wars, or a kind of what if sort of thing for Star Wars, and you were going to have an anthology series, anime is actually the best sort of animation mm. um, medium so, to use. I think. How successful then? Like this is an animated version of Star Wars doing alternate takes, right? Yeah. We're watching an animated version of Marvel doing alternate takes. What mm. do you do? You do you have a preference in terms of, like? We've seen two approaches now. Would would you rather this were a what if type of Star Wars in a Clone Wars style? Me. Or do you think yeah, or do you think the the variety here really adds? No, I think or... the variety, I think the whole point of it, like if it was Clone Wars, I mean, we've seen that style of animation so much anyways, and we've come to associate that with like, you know, canon and the Skywalker saga and, you know, branching mm. off of that. Um so this this whole visions is like the point of it is exploration. So I feel like anime is the perfect tool because within the anthology series itself is like there are so many different styles of that animation alone and they're all so different and they all have a place and they're all sort of incorporating things. Like it, some of them don't feel 100% Star Wars, but they're definitely sort of in Star Wars. But mm. it, it's just, it's it's yeah, it's an exploration. So I think had it been in the style of Clone Wars, I don't think it would have actually worked for this, for an anthology. Mm. Um, I'm trying to, like, 
we, we slightly talked about doing like a ranked version of the putting a lot of focus on the visions episode and putting a, a list in order ranking them coming back and mm-hmm. talking about each of them in the way that we did with love death and robots um so i'm going to keep you vague as well because like you've watched them all you may as well bring you in on that and like um if you want to sit through and talk through each of them in detail um if not tell us to go away because we're nerds but sure, like no, no. there's 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 nine of them like how many of yeah. them do you feel were successful how many of them do you think were a bit wobbly um, for you so some of the, some of them i didn't connect to as much as others i'll just get them up now so that i i can yeah. refer back like to i've watched i've watched four of them and i've liked two of them and i've kind of significantly disliked two of them you yeah. know i just like ugh. it can be a, a bit of a hit and miss for me um yeah. so personally like I can totally see how the the first episode is great. I just mm. personally didn't really connect with. It. I thought the umbrella lightsaber was pretty visually yeah. cool, and the way the the kind of protagonist stopped the lightsaber with the force that was now, very. Cool. I, I this sort of thing started to happen, and I I'm like. Is it the is it the Force Awakens where Kylo Ren stops the yeah laser they bolt did that a lot this year. like there are a few a good like three at least so they can kind of well, think yeah. of where well, well, you know blasters once we established that the Force and... could stop a blaster shot yeah people are just having great fun with that you know someone had a good idea and now it's like let's do it again yeah so um, it does kind of get a bit repetitive in that sense because it does do that mm. multiple times in the series and it's kind of not as show stopping and jaw dropping as it's sort of supposed to be because I'm like we, we've seen that before but it's still good show stopped jaw dropped <laughs> five stars so the duel I I, yeah personally didn't really connect to it but I can see how other people absolutely would love it um, let, let, let's not let's not go through each of them let's save that for the, the vision oh, special um, but, but like have a look at them there yourself and then go like mm, I liked five of them I liked four of them or okay you know, so the ones that stood out one Uh, I would say most of them actually. Now that now that yeah. I'm looking at it, the first one is the only one that didn't completely gel. I right. actually thought that they all brought something unique and and cool to it. Do you know? Um, mm. I mean, most of this is sort of newish for me because I'm not like that really watching anime a lot. I know it is very anime though. Like mm. I kind of know yeah. the tropes and things, but um. Yeah, they're they're really good explorations of character and things. So, did you watch Love, nothing. Death, and Robots? I didn't. Um, okay. My friend is like, you should go watch Love, Death, and Robots. Yeah. I'm like, yes, and then I completely forget. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, there's there's so many things to watch, especially when we start talking here. We just start listing things that could be looked at. But like, um, I think the second season of that had what eight episodes? Can you remember that? Right? Think. So like the first season had like 20 which was kind of unmanageable for like to sit down and watch a chunk of but like season 2 they were more selective and um they really found a good balance some of them I really didn't like some of them I loved um you know if you find yourself looking for something to kill 10 minutes a day during yeah. the week here like check check out some of that stuff cuz it is you know it, it's hit and miss, but like I like yeah. the idea that there are big swings in there, you know? It's like a little... I think it was less also. bad ones in that season. Yeah. And bad subjective, like, you know... Yeah. We dislike yeah. it, but like... 
I, I think the only one I really didn't like was the customer service one, which won a fucking Emmy. <laughs> which was the customer um, service one? Oh, it's the bloody, it's the remote the, control thing and the dog. Yeah. First, the very first one of the bunch. The first, yeah. 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 Um, we'd have it, to go. It won an Emmy for character design. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. It is the yeah. ugliest one. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. <laughs> what? What? what I think is, the Christmas one. That? I think the Christmas one might have won something. There's a Christmas one. Christmas that's a that. mi- there's a Christmas. It's a, it's a Christmas one. and Halloween one. <gasps> yeah, that's and it's amazing. like two minutes long. You could actually just yeah, go it's and watch it. It's perfect. Um, yeah. it's it's just a nice little slice of oddness, and you're like, well, that's an odd movie, and then you move <laughs> on, you know. Um, I think that did I say that was my favorite at the end of the last one? It was definitely. I think you and Kev picked it as your faves, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. that and the the giant, mm-hmm. the the washes ashore. Um, cool. That's I mean, that's Star Wars visions. We are kind of bashing through the list of things here. Um, is there anything you guys specifically want to talk about as we head into two hours? Cree, you've got Doctor Who news. What's the Doctor Who's? The Doctor Who's is... (laughs) The Doctor Who news is that Russell T. Davies is making a comeback to Doctor Who. He is going to do a special and he's going to be... He's going to showrun a season, which is brilliant, brilliant, brilliant news if, like me, you've kind of disconnected from Doctor Who a little bit since, you know, the golden age of Russell T. Davies and uh, Stephen Moffat. Um, So I'm really looking forward to him making a good comeback. Because just personally, like say Jodie Whittaker, for example, I think she would have been one of my favorite doctors up there with Smith and Tennant. But I just feel like her writing was a little bit lackluster and it just wasn't enga- as engaging as the other stuff. So I am super stoked that Russell T. Davis is making a comeback. It's probably not with Jodie Whittaker, probably be with like the new doctor. I don't know what the story is because I'm like not up to date on Doctor Who stuff, but I'm just super stoked that he's back. I'll probably start watching Doctor Who again, which is great. My thoughts on Doctor Who are 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 these. Here come my thoughts on Doctor Who. Um I definitely jumped on in the Russell T. Davies era with, you know, Eccleston and Billy Piper. And those were fine and fun, and I enjoyed them. And David Tennant stuff was great. And then they bumped the budget up huge for season five as Matt Smith came in. They got the orchestra to do all the music. It was a big thing. Stephen Moffat's season. It escalated and created an arcing story that put the whole universe at risk. And it was great. And I wanted to carry that buzz through seasons six, seven, eight. But Moffat was never able to how you can't get bigger than the universe ending you know and he he kept trying yeah he kept trying huge where he needed to come back to small in my mind anyway and it just i slowly disconnected from that because it was like you know this person kills a doctor and let's go kill hitler and time traveling the silence will fall and it never paid off in any way that i felt was really significant but then, as Jodie Whittaker was coming in, I'm like, cool, like, we have a change up a showrunner, mm. we have a change up a doctor, this should be great. And there's an interview somebody cut together of the the writer going, the performance of the doctor is entirely inf- informed by Jodie Whittaker's interpretation of the performance. 
You know, what I write is based on how I see Jodie playing the Doctor. And then Jodie <laughs> Whitaker is in another interview going, I just try and perform what's on the page. Yeah. And, like, my interpretation is coming from what he's writing. So nobody's clearly leading this. Yeah. And she just kind of got completely underserved because your man just didn't... I mean, I'm I'm assuming his mindset or his comprehensive understanding of it, but it just didn't feel like he had a direction for it. Mm-hmm. Couple that with the idea that, like, the last two seasons... The, la- the first season with her just felt like... It felt very like the magic school bus where she would bop them all in the TARDIS and bring them to a historical event, give them a history lesson about tolerance, and then the episode would end. And yeah, and she had too many companions. I liked... I yeah. They just got a bit too... Um, luxury as episodes. Yeah. And the, the last season with her tried to course correct that by having a sort of bigger arc. But that bigger arc... I don't know, did you watch that last season with her? I didn't. I, I didn't even finish the first, to be honest. Do you want the giant spoiler from the end of the episode? What, like the or the end of the season? The timeless child thing. Did yeah, you get no, all I, that? No, I, 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 it's been spoiled because I'm not gonna like <laughs> sit down and watch. So, um, for Brian, uh, they're trying to figure out where this child that was born or arrived at the beginning of time was, and like you find out that it was the Doctor, and the Doctor existed in a place outside of time. Mm-hmm. And hasn't had 13 lives, but has had hundreds of thousands of lives, played by many, many different people. And it's like, it just, it just, in trying to, we've talked about this in terms of comic books, where some writer thinks they've got a smart idea, but all they're really doing is undercutting the entire concept of, or or undercutting the firmness of that foundation with rocky novelty thinking. We saw this, um, Brian was showing me a clip or a, a page from Thor or a Marvel comic with Thor where he's relaying to Iron Man or Captain America do you, do you want to tell this was it Kev do you, do you remember this oh maybe it was I Kevin was it I think it was Kev though yeah but um, yeah basically Thor is talking about or somebody is talking about Thor's memories and stuff and the fact that uh, because he's been alive for thousands of years that he experiences things like seconds so he doesn't have this great memory so like these biggest moments he's had with people are like these fleeting things to him and essentially just that he doesn't have a great memory effectively because he's so the reason he's always so happy to see people is because basically kind of saying as well that he's got like no object permanence as well in a sense and it it was just stupid and it was just it was just so they could write this clawing sentimental thing every about... time i come back to earth i'm surprised that captain america is still alive and i'm happy to see him because i lose track of the sense of time between moments and centuries yeah. and it's just stupid <laughs> yeah it was it was silly and we've seen it's just it, if anything you'd have a greater sense of time because you've been around so long you know um it, yeah it just stupid like he, he's 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 an he's an adult god with a fully developed brain and they're talking about him like he's a baby with a undeveloped you know it, it's stupid all so they could just have this sentimental moment where he's like oh i'm so happy to see you people because i've got a bad memory because i'm alive so long it's like what <laughs> there's, there's a con dumb. there's a concept in the movie um doctor sleep where 
a person's memory is represented as, you know, like a filing cabinet or a memory palace thing. And you see the representation of this other character. This other character has been alive for an extended period of time. And her memory palace is a fucking cathedral. You know, it's expansive and complete as opposed to I've been around forever. So I have all of these memories as opposed to I've been around forever. So I just stop remembering things. Yeah. Bullshit. Um, so that's what the current... That was directed by Mike Flanagan, I believe. Was it? Um, mm-hmm. I think so. That's what the current director or the current showrunner on Doctor Who has kind of done. He's just kind of undermined it to my mind. Now, yeah. do you think Davies can course correct? If anyone can, it will probably be him, I'm thinking. Do you know? Um, hmm. They're definitely... I, I feel like they must have heard the discontent amongst the fans to mm. be to take such a drastic okay wait we need to not put a new person in here but bring back someone that we know that the fans love so they definitely yeah. are trying to course correct i don't know if that is a possibility yeah but hopefully what is what has davies done since doctor who i didn't he didn't he do um uh whatchamacallit for channel four it's a sin yeah yeah so that would have been the biggest okay. thing since Doctor Who that I can see. I don't know that. It's a sin. Okay, yeah, no, I don't. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's for it's it's on all four as well. I think for people who need to catch up. But yeah, it's based around you know it's in England during um the AIDS crisis and you know people navigating their identity and. Um, what with the the backdrop of of AIDS and the kind of fear and the misinformation, and people around them, you know, losing friends, that kind of thing. It's a brilliant, brilliant show. If anyone hasn't seen, it's a sin. You should go watch it. Um, I don't want to okay. give anything away, obviously, but yeah. And so he did that. So he's great. He's so good. He's brilliant. He's a great man. It it is um. <laughs> Here's hoping he can do it. It's just like, is Chris Chibnall going to see Jodie Whittaker out? I don't know. To be like, honest, there... I would like to see what Russell... Because he's got a special. He's doing a special, Russell. So the special yeah. might be with Jodie. And if that's the case, that could be really good. Um, <laughs> I just remembered the last shot of like a post credit sting of the last Doctor Who season was like, the credits end. And there's like a dramatic slow rise shot of like who the next companion is going to be. And it turns around and it's John Bishop. Yeah. And it's like introducing John Bishop. And I'm like, the the comedian John Bishop? We've made a big deal out of this as our sci-fi casting? Okay. It is a very British... I don't grudge John Bishop the work, but it's an odd tone you've struck. Hey, listen, I think he'd be really good. <laughs> I mean, he probably will, but now I'm thinking I have a John Bishop season of Doctor Who to get through before we get Russell D. Davies back. Yeah. <sighs> I hope it would be good, but I'm not setting my expectations really high because I don't want to be yeah. disappointed again, but I do. Why can't I just recapture the joy and optimism I felt in 2005? <laughs> I wonder, if only. When I was just... Finishing college and a really promising career. From a, everything was all in front of me. Everything was awesome. Now it seems like all of this possibility has drifted away. 
and all that's left is it's all in front of you like a wheelbarrow still a load to carry <laughs> I started watching the Midnight Mass yesterday just came out yesterday I'm only two or three episodes in but um, I quite like it I like where it's heading it's appropriately spooky um, what's the setup of I Midnight think, Mass um, do, do, so it's Mike Flanagan's latest thing on Netflix um, like I said he his kind of horror tends to be more ghost story type stuff which I like and it's not so much a slow burn as it is it's it, it's old school horror it's not really kind of focused on gore or jump scares but that's not to say that it doesn't do either but it it, it very much kind of it understands that like horror comes from like setting the scene taking the time to set the scene and then flipping it um in some way so that you know you're 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 you're, you're turning a situation on its head and the more the more of the scene you set and the kind of more natural things feel then the more horrifying or terror inducing it becomes when when you kind of turn that on its head so the setup for this it's set on an island somewhere off the coast in the u.s called crockett island i think its current population is only like 127 people or something like that so there's been a mass exodus of people that live down the island and it starts with um zach guilford's character who you might know from friday night lights he played mad saracen um he has killed someone drunk driving and his family is very religious and he's pleaded guilty so he's going to he's going to jail because he was drunk and he killed right. a young girl and the series then starts with him he's just been released from prison on parole and like i said the religion in it his family and on the island is is very 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 influential it's got a huge huge hold over over the people there but he's kind of he's lost his faith because i guess his, his main question is how how would the god he believes in let him do something as terrible as he did and, and kill this young girl so he's kind of lost his faith so he's back on this island um he's kind of catching up with family and old relationships and stuff uh, at the same time uh, a young priest has replaced the older priest on the island and he's very kind of charismatic and charming and he can also apparently work miracles and then things start to go bad so it's good i quite like it i like where it's heading and how far into it are you um i'm only on i think the third episode um did they I would post check it the whole out whole season or yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay well. um i would check it out even if horror is not usually your thing because it's not it's not the it's not the kind of shocking it's not about shocking it, it it's it really is just about like an old-fashioned kind of ghost story and it actually it reminds me quite a bit of jaws like the first episode is just setting the scene with like uh this guy's the sheriff this is the local drunk this is the 
island zealot um it's just introducing you to all these characters it just sets the scene for for what's about to happen and um i just like the vibe that it it's kind of set already where um flanagan's worked with a lot of the same actors so there's a lot of the people that you'd know from if you'd watched the previous two series are are returning in this and they're like really good cast and yeah the first episode is just kind of setting the scene establishing who's who on this island and what their relationships are to each other and stuff and it's just a great setting this island with like 120 odd people um you start to learn like white people have left and it's good islands I, are I always scary you know in yeah horror great context. great setting for horror yeah yeah Where are you or for chess that? tournaments with serial killers <laughs> so uh, it's on netflix okay oh, cool. cool. call back to night moves night moves Anybody watch Night Moves? Just me. Um, I I believe I've watched Night Moves, yes. Well, then that brings us to, I guess, a conversation I want to have where I want to do, I talked to Brian about this already, I want to do like a special recording, like a a standalone episode off somewhere, whether we pick a Thursday night or something else to do this, um, where we just talk about the Star Wars Visions stuff in, say, the way that we did Love, Death and Robots. That episode went long when we did that episode i think it went to three hours or something it's the longest episode we have um just because we just we each took our turn saying what our number 10 was and why we liked it and why we didn't and we just ranked ranked them all out and compared and see where we fell um i'm not saying that that's what will happen with visions but i'd like to do a standalone with that if i know brian's up for it i think kev is as well (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah but it's it's a good bit of fun um the other thing that we have now though is the next, like, this episode's going to drop on the 27th. But the following episode is going to be our first October episode. We have five weeks of spooky season. So what should we watch between here and there as our first spooky season Halloween horror movie? Hereditary. I've heard Hereditary. Did you just say Hereditary? I did. Shit. Um, Cree, have you seen Hereditary? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm. I I probably wouldn't be super into participating. You're too in young for that. Thing. No, not young. I'm twenty. It's just. <laughs> I just I just playing. I'm just. <laughs> I'm too young for Hereditary. That's why I haven't watched it. Um, have you seen Hereditary, or Brian? Yes, I love okay. it. You love it. I want you to see it. I, want I don't Aiden think Kev has seen it. Um. I think that's a decent one to like make the focus of watch next it. week's. That's a next yes. week's episode will be yes. hereditary. We've got to significantly talk about it. Performances, cinematography. We're making it week one of spooky season, hereditary. Um, for all those listeners out there wondering what we're watching next week, if you want to get on board and start forming opinions now or sending us thoughts and, and uh, uh, comments, we're going to be watching hereditary, which is Tony Collette, and some weird looking kid and Tony me being Collette, scared Gabriel Byrne uh, was I not supposed to say the kid's weird looking the kid's weird looking it's a plot point right she's a grown woman Tony Collette or the kid the kid the kid's a grown woman now or when the movie was made well, I don't she, know anything uh, about this film now. I just saw a weird head and was like is that a kid oh, oh, God. I can't wait for you to watch it Week one of Spooky Season will be hereditary. We will determine weeks two through five 
because there are five episodes in this month of October. Um, I heard somebody say, drag me to hell. I heard somebody say, um, let the right one in. I did put a post up on the Instagram looking for suggestions. There were some good suggestions there. I'll try and post a like, this is our five weeks of spooky season thing. And we'll talk about it in the chat. Um, is that all right with everybody? Sounds good. I mean, I Cree d- I does don't... not want to partake of spooky no, no, season. I d- no, I'm just like, I'm, I'm a <laughs> guest person, so I'm not a you are, yeah. to um, add my To, to vi- vote or veto. Have you, a, have you a Halloween movie that you... My go-tos are like Beetlejuice, <laughs> The Lost Boys, yeah. um, probably like Halloween episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, <laughs> that kind yeah, of thing. Great Just, episodes. Or or Hocus Pocus. I, I do classic. I do like the idea of Cree coming back in a week, having I watched Hereditary, just going "fuck you guys, I hate you, I hate this, <laughs> this was too scary." Here's a bunch of pricks. <laughs> I, I think I've told you my favorite thing about Hereditary before, so maybe I'll save it for the next time, or I could just I could just mention it now and then also. I think I've told you before because does it feel spoilery? I, um, that's a teaser, guys. See you all next week. Um,